1: Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. In the June 2022 edition of the Leahona Magazine—the Liahona Magazine is a publication put out by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, primarily for adult members in the Church—there is an article titled Choose the Lord and His Prophet. It was written by Jeffrey R. Holland, who currently serves in what's known as the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So he's in that second tier in this Mormon hierarchy of government. Jeffrey Holland is the fourth in line to become the next president. The reason I know that is because prophets are chosen in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints among a group of men who happen to outlive all his colleagues. Currently, you have a man, Russell M. Nelson, who is in his late 90s and naturally a man that old. If he's been a part of the Mormon hierarchy since a younger age, he's going to move up that ladder of authority and eventually— He's bound to become the president if he lives long enough. Now, there's no evidence of prophets being chosen in that manner in the Bible. So right here, we see that one of the problems with the church calling itself the restored church, this is not something that's restored from the Bible that happened to be lost over time. This is certainly unique to the LDS church. Well, in this article, Jeffrey R. Holland is going to certainly push this notion that his church and the church of Russell M. Nelson has this authority because they have a living prophet that is guiding the church. Now, as Christians, we believe we have a living prophet guiding our church. The church, the followers of Christ, those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ and have been forgiven because of what Christ had done for them, We believe that he is our living prophet. Now, I've had Latter-day Saints, Eric, scoff at that notion, like, oh, yeah, Jesus, well, we have a living mortal prophet. Well, who would you rather have, really, when you think about it? Jesus as your living prophet or a Russell M. Nelson as your prophet? Or better yet, guys, how about Brigham Young as your Latter-day prophet? I don't even think a lot of modern Mormons would want that. They certainly wouldn't want a guy like John Taylor or maybe even a Wilford Woodruff, all those prophets of the 19th century. I think they would be problematic for many, which I think raises an underlying problem with Jeffrey Holland's whole premise. Look to the prophet, but only look to this one. Don't look to the past ones, because we got a new guy now, and whatever he says, we take to be truth, and we tend to ignore a lot of the problematic things that maybe our past prophets have taught.
2: Since 2018, Russell M. Nelson has changed many things. One of the things that has changed as far as General Conference is it seems that practically every single talk that's given at General Conference will include a citation from Russell M. Nelson. I don't remember previous uh, prophets requiring that. It almost feels like a requirement that if you don't have at least one citation from Nelson, you haven't done your job. And I also, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't remember any church magazine that had the portrait of the church prophet on it, and yet this one does. It's the same picture used on the cover as it is on page four. Yes, choose the Lord and his prophet, but in this case, it almost seems like the prophet takes precedence over the Lord.
1: Well, let me go back to what you said there, Eric, because there have been copies of, let's say, of the Ensign magazine that did have portraits of Joseph Smith. Oh yes. Okay, but he's dead. He's from a, an era of a long time ago. I think what you're saying is, is a modern living prophet who's still alive getting his picture plastered on the cover of, the, let's say, the Leahona or even the Ensign magazine. I certainly can't recall when that has ever happened, but it seems like with all the mentions and the accolades that these leaders give Russell M. Nelson, I'm just speaking for myself. If that was me and they were making all those statements about me, I would almost be embarrassed by that. But it doesn't seem to bother Russell M. Nelson. I'm sure when he hears his name mentioned and he's sitting in the front row at general conference, he's probably relishing in that. If he wasn't, you would think he would tell them to knock it off. But you're right, we are seeing so many times, I've seen as many as three times, he's mentioned in a 20-minute talk. As if his words have something new and profound to tell us that we've never heard before. And I guess that's what kind of bothers us, because Jeffrey Holland, as well as others, give the impression that Nelson has said things we've never heard before. And that's just not true, folks, except, of course, one of the points that's going to be brought out in this article, and that has to do with how Mormons call themselves or call their church, much of what Jeffrey Holland talks about is not all that unique. And so let's get into this article. It's called Choose the Lord and His Prophet. It begins on page five of the June 2022 edition of the Leahona magazine. Let me just start off by giving the subtitle. Now, I don't know if he specifically asked for that subtitle to be put in there, but this is the pull quote. Prophets have no greater concern than to lead God's children to the Savior, Jesus Christ. As an evangelical, I would have to ask, what Jesus Christ are we talking about? And other apostles in the LDS Church have made it very clear that the Jesus that they are referring to cannot possibly be the Jesus that we have historically referred to. So at this point, and we haven't even got into the text, we have a flag that we need to contend with. Who are you talking about when you say Jesus Christ? And what does this Jesus Christ tend to teach these leaders that they need to pass on to the membership? How does this article begin, Eric?
2: There is a pivotal moment in the Old Testament that, like many moments in that record, has always given me pause. It occurred following the leadership of the incomparable Moses and his devoted young successor, Joshua. Despite miracles on every side and divine intervention in their quest to regain the lands of their fathers, the children of Israel were rebuked for embracing the pagan practices common to those who had been living in those lands. Quote, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves onto them and provoked the Lord to anger, end quote. And that's from Judges chapter 2, verses
1: 11 and 12. Well, let me just comment on that, because up to this point, I'm not having a big problem with what Jeffrey Holland is saying. When you read the Old Testament and you read through, let's say, the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua ends on this extremely high note. In other words, because of all the things that God had done in the presence, in the sight, in the experience of the children of Israel, there was this determination by God's people to follow the Lord. And it ends on this real high note. But then you go into Judges, and whatever high note was there, it starts to plummet, and it plummets very rapidly. And one of the reasons it gives as an explanation, the offspring of these people did not experience all those great and marvelous events, and it was only given to them by word of mouth, which obviously didn't have the same impact in their lives. And so what happens? is they start getting involved in the worship of the pagan gods that were surrounding them at the time. And because they failed to take out these people and the influence that would have come with these people, that influence now is starting to persuade God's people to turn away from the God who promised to protect them and only asked for their allegiance and honor, and yet they turn aside all that. God had told them up front, this is the way it's going to be, guys. I want to take care of you people. But all I ask is that you look to me as being your provider. And what happens? They don't do that. And they start looking to the pagan gods that surround them, which I always found interesting, Eric, because those pagan gods never come to their aid. And yet, they keep doing it. They keep doing it every single time. God intervenes with his mercy, and then he brings in a judge, he gets them out of trouble, and that gives peace in the land for so many years, and then they go right back to what they were doing before, sometimes even worse. Where you cited Judges 2, 11 and 12, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods. This is where I would also raise an issue. Because, if anything, the God that was introduced by Joseph Smith towards the end of his life is not the God that Christians have historically revered and honored and worshipped. So what we have here is, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, even though they're citing Judges chapter 2, the LDS Church has done the same exact thing. They are worshipping a God who is foreign To the God of the Bible. So, if in fact they are worshiping a God that is foreign to the God of the Bible, and this prophet that they're talking about, choose the Lord and his prophet, and this prophet is encouraging people to believe in this God, then that would disqualify them as being a prophet of God. When you look at Deuteronomy 13, for instance, one of the things that was required of the children of Israel the people who had Moses as their guide, is they were to worship the God of Israel. And if they started worshiping false gods, immediately the hammer would fall. God would intervene in trying to correct them, showing them that you're going in a bad direction because they did not have a written word of God at the time. Is If someone rose up and started persuading them to go and worship a God that they did not know, That was not a prophet of God. That is exactly what Joseph Smith did when he said, for instance, we have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see Well, what he just did was he gave the people an invitation to worship a God that has never been recognized by Christians.
2: And what you just cited from is from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 345 and 346. It goes on in that passage where he said, it is the first principle of the gospel to know for a certainty the character of God and to know that we may converse with him as one man converses with another and that he was once a man like us, yea, that God, the Father of us all, dwelt on earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did, and I will show it from the Bible. What you're saying, Bill, is this is not the same God, and so therefore, uh, we're talking apples and oranges. Mormonism's God is not the same as our God.
1: If he's not the same God, then what Joseph Smith was teaching and what Russell M. Nelson is continually espousing is certainly not something that has been restored. We don't find any evidence of early Christians believing in a God that was described by Joseph Smith, or Russell M. Nelson, for that matter. And that becomes problematic, because if you, in fact, are worshiping a God that is not the God of the Bible, you are engaged in what sin? What is that sin? It is idolatry. Even in Mormonism, idolatry is frowned upon, even though they may define it a bit differently than we would. But if this is the prophet that Jeffrey Holland is telling people to follow, then you can see that they have a major problem on their hands.
0: Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www. MRM.ORG, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism.